0: omg hey guys it's your girl mara mara and we are back at it yet again i'm super excited for this particular episode, because I am going to be talking with one of my long-term friends. But before I jump into that, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to each and every one of you who have been showing me nothing but love, y'all. Listen, I do this because I it to help someone else. I know that if I had this transparency and these type of conversations much younger or, you know, at another time, I probably would have been a little bit more ahead than where I am now but i also believe that we learn things in the time that we're supposed to learn them right so without further delay i'm going to go ahead y'all and i got to bring on my special guest for today this is someone that i've known since 2006 we met in college i call him tone tone but i'm not going to jump too much into it cuz i definitely want him to introduce himself so let me go ahead and bring him on the line real quick oh yo yo can you hear me
1: yeah, I can hear you well.
0: <laughs> hey, Tone Tone, how you doing today?
1: I'm chilling. How you?
0: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to join me uh, for this episode number one. Because I know your schedule is super busy as always. Every time we try to connect, you ripping and running. So I appreciate you taking out this moment to talk with me.
1: <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. <laughs>
0: Don't be laughing. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> but listen, I just wanted to bring you on today because I know a lot of times, you know, me and you have a lot of conversations about just um, what's going on in the world today, um, especially from your point of view as a black man, um, you know, working his way up in school, work and everything. But even more importantly, when it pertains to fatherhood, you know, you have two uh, little, I don't even want to say little, you have two young men <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you got two young men in your life, and you know I told everybody I didn't wanna you know say too much about you, so i I wanna give you the floor first to go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience and let them know who you are
1: no doubt no doubt uh, my name is Antonio, you know, better known as Tony or as you would say tone tone, but can't everybody call me that but uh yeah man i'm I'm definitely happy to be here. You know, definitely glad that you you know invited me to this session because I definitely can contribute to a lot you know pertaining to the topic. But you know, you want me to get you want me to give them the rundown like as how we met and everything. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, oh, you know what? No, yeah, we definitely got to start there. But before we jump into that, real quick, because I do want to do this real quick. I always like to do an icebreaker. Okay. So with the icebreaker, um, I always ask a question and just give your honest answer, okay? Okay. All right, so today's question is going to be if you had to delete all the apps on your phone, but three of them, which three would you keep?
1: Uh uh my text messages. Okay. My mu- my music.
0: Oh yeah, that's a must.
1: And, and my emails. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay okay I mean all communication and the music definitely gets you through it so I could definitely see why you would say that okay well that's good that's good all right so now that we did that definitely go ahead and jump in I'm gonna let you go ahead and give the story about how we met I did tell them we met in college so.
1: yeah yeah so uh coming coming out of high school you know uh, I went to CCBC Catonsville like in the early 2000s and I would say it was like maybe two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh,
0: I think it was two thousand six. It was the, uh, yeah, fall, okay, two thousand six.
1: You know, I met Tamira, you know, in college, and she she definitely she definitely was a dope individual. You know, I can tell that she wasn't the typical girl that I was used to, because <laughs> I had to bypass, you know, her deep voice. You know, her guy like mannerisms and everything like that. So, you know, it was just kind of if you was a guy, it kind of felt like you was talking to a guy a lot of the times when you was talking to her. But, you know, when you get to know her, man, you you, you grow to love her, man, because she's definitely every everything that she says she is. But,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, we, we established a great friendship, you know, and we've been friends ever since.
0: Yeah, listen, I was a major tomboy then, major, I mean, I still am now, but it was so much more prevalent then, so I definitely, definitely, definitely appreciate you looking past all of that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you again for being on here, and uh, number one, just, you know, the long-term of our friendship, you know, we've gone months. Even years before, like you know, where we kind of lost connect, but every time we reconnected, it was like just yesterday, you know what I mean? Absolutely. One of the things I definitely did say, um, when I started off the podcast was that you are definitely someone who I've watched grow as a man, in my opinion, since 2006. You know, watching you go into fatherhood yourself, the different things that you have accomplished from you know, just getting your associates to your, ma- uh, to your bachelor's to now, you know, your master's. And then even in the process of that, you know, the type of work that you do within the community with the kids and so forth, um, all of that to me just shows so much. And one of the biggest things that, you know, uh, pointed out to me in reference to that is the willingness that you have as a Black man in your community to not just raise your own two sons up to be you know, strong Black men in today's community with all that's going on. But on top of that, like the fact and the effect that you have, even with, um, I want to say your students more so, you know, as far as in the field that you work. I don't want to say too much without you, you know, being able to go ahead and emphasize and so forth what you want. But um, that's one of the main reasons why I wanted to have this conversation with you, because I feel like we're in a space right now where we're trying to reclaim the narrative of Black fatherhood. You know what I mean?
1: Right, right.
0: So what, what is your take on that, just as far as us trying to reclaim it and where it's been and where you see it going right now?
1: Um, I think uh, sometimes, you know, to, re- to, to reverse the cycle of, of something is is to kind of recreate the narrative, right? Mm-hmm. But to recreate something, you have to understand the situation and circumstances that you come from, because it's like there's no way you could change something if you don't have any idea or understanding as to where, you know, where it started. Right. So. Right. right. So to me, you know, if I had to explain my relationship with my dad, um, I always knew my dad. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was predominantly raised by women, you know, so. My dad, I, I knew of him, you know, my mom would say, you know, would tell me a lot about my dad, but in the midst of that, my mom would always express a lot of negative things about my dad, right? So, when you were a child, yeah. you know, you only know what you're exposed to and what's been put in you, right? Yeah, so, yeah. You know, so a lot of the times, you know, in the midst of hearing my mom express herself when it came to my dad, it always came from a place, Now, when you're a child, you don't understand adult-like affairs. You don't understand the journey that they took. You don't understand any of that because as a child, you focus on who's present and who's consistent in your life. So I noticed that inconsistency early in my dad, you know, but my dad's brother, which is my uncle, the man that I looked at as a father, he was always present when my dad wasn't, but that still Mm. didn't constitute my dad not being there, right? So right. with me being a curious young guy, I always knew where my dad was. So whenever I had the opportunity to go outside, I was in search for him. You know, I would look for him. And a lot of the times I would find my dad. But when I found him, you know, my dad battled drug addiction for years, you know. And when I found him, I always found him when he wasn't his best self. And a lot of the times when he was the best version of himself, it was never really that father and son bonding time because it was like, I had to process what I was experiencing in the encounters that I had with my dad. Right. right? So it was was challenging because I'm this kid trying to understand a man that I knew was my dad, but I had no relationship with him.
2: Mm. You know, I had
1: no relationship with him. I just knew he was my dad. He knew I was his son. I didn't know where to begin to try to create that relationship with my dad because I felt like a father was always supposed to be there. You know? So... In the, midst of, in the midst of that, you know, it was a lot of turbulence because then my dad would go long periods of time without me seeing him. He would go long periods of time without me talking to him. So now I'm just wondering. So when you don't have that consistency in a father, you know, you then seek that acceptance other way in other places, you know. Yeah. Preferably, you know, young guys turn to the streets, you know, they turn to gangs, they turn to any any outlet that could provide that means of acceptance and security absolutely you know but unfortunately i didn't have that opportunity to be gang or to do any of that because you know that's where i had my father's brother my uncle you know so he got me into boxing so you know i had consistent male figures in my life but it don't substitute for not having your dad present
0: Absolutely. And that's, that's um, the fact that you just hit that right there. That's one of the main things that I definitely feel um, a lot of people in um, my own brother, you know, um, I'm gonna let him tell his own story, but, you know, he kind of went down the same path, like how you did, but instead of, uh, I guess, sticking like how you had boxing, you know, he went another direction. But one of the things that stuck out most to me that you said that kind of made me even think about his situation was the fact that although you had these male influences around you that in many other people's minds, that should make up for that. You know what I mean? But it didn't. You were still out searching every time you went out for your father. You get what I'm saying? So I think that a lot of times people don't understand that. So you even saying that is just such a profound thing because I think that a lot of times in growing up and seeing those who don't have their father i think a lot of times mothers or you know family members are trying to um basically put a band-aid over that um, right. saying like hey but you have this or hey such and such is in your life you know or like you hear those adoption stories where they're like oh i was adopted i had great parents however i still want to know who my parent is and i think that a lot of times people don't get that you know what i mean um yeah. So, even with you sharing that, and thank you so much for being vulnerable enough to share that, because I know for some people, you know, they try not to share that part of their life, so thank you. Oh, yeah, Um, for sure. With you having two amazing sons, I love his sons, y'all. Absolutely, his twins, (laughs) y'all. They are triplets, seriously. (laughs) All the way down, they acted like, look like, (laughs) that, but even down to your boys how did that you having that narrative and now trying to change it having your own sons how did that experience impact you when you found out like even with your first son that it was a boy like what went through your mind at that time
1: uh you know the funny thing um about the story with my sons um i think because you know again and i and i'm a i'm a circle back around to this question i think mm-hmm. you know for me it was just I didn't always have the best relationship with my mom, neither. You know, my Mm. mom was more present than my dad. But, you know, some say, you know, how can, you know, you have the type of relationship with your mom that you have and she was there. And it's like, although she was there, it don't mean that, you know, she was as effective as she needed to be as the other parent. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, my father might not have been present. Right. But I wasn't going through anything with my dad. I was only dealing with the idea of him being absent, right? So right. I wasn't going through traumas with my dad. You know, I wasn't going through my dad constantly beating me because my dad never put his hands on me in his life. My mom, my mom tore my behind up all my life. You see what <laughs> I'm saying? So, right, right. So you know, and rightfully so, she had a reason to. But, you know, it was just one of those things where, me being raised by women, you know, I understood what love felt like. I knew what it looked like. I knew what it Mm. sounded like, right? So in the midst of my dad not being present, you know, I knew at some point I was going to have to step out into the world and see the world through my own lens, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I knew I was going to experience things like relationships. I knew I was going to come across many different people, right? So in search of love, you know, because I was looking for it, And because I didn't get it the way I needed it from my mom or my dad, Mm -hmm. you know, I expected that in people that had no connection to me. I expected that in Mm. people that didn't have to care about me, that didn't care to talk to me. But I still took a chance on something that was foreign to me. Right. Yeah. So, you know, now, you know, I'm interested in women. Right. So now, you know, I'm, I'm having conversations. I'm learning myself just as well as learning another individual. Mm -hmm. So then when I realized I was able to develop something with a woman, you know, then came the idea of dating, love, children, marriage. Right. 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 So. Boom. My first son, you know. and, And to be honest, I didn't want boys. I wanted all girls. And I know it might sound crazy coming from a man. A lot of men might say, you know, every man wants a son. Yeah. I didn't think that way at first. I wanted mm-hmm. all girls, right? And <laughs> the reason I the reason I wanted girls is for the simple fact of, you know, when you meet a person, it's hard to change an adult because mm-hmm. an adult is accustomed to doing things, they're accustomed to living a certain type of way, they're accustomed to being who they are, etc., right? Right, right. But when you when you have a daughter, right? You able to raise this woman, this young lady you able to pour into her as much as you need to pour into her. And you can potentially watch this person grow into the person you would like them to be. Okay. It's, very, it's very hard to expect that in an adult who already then had that journey in life, who already accepted who they were, who already, you know, accustomed to think in a certain type of way. So for me, I said whatever I couldn't get in a woman, if I had a daughter, I can pour into her and watch her grow to be the woman that I would have loved to see her be, right?
0: Mm, okay, okay. So,
1: that's, so that was always my reason. But when I realized I was having sons, I accepted it. You know, I was kinda, I was kind of upset because I wanted daughters, but I was happy, right? Mm-hmm. Because, again, this is where we spin back around to your original question, where, you know, I was able to recreate that narrative. And because I knew what it was like to grow up without a dad, and I wanted my dad around in certain periods of my life that mm-hmm. I felt was necessary... Now I have the opportunity to recreate that narrative and write my own story.
0: Wow. So okay. when my
1: so when my, sons was bo- when my, son, my first son was born, I was very proud. I was very proud. I didn't let his mother do anything. You know, when it came down to responsibility, it was just naturally certain things that I was just doing that just wasn't taught to me. I, right. You know, it was like I naturally knew how to love somebody else. You know, I naturally knew how to assume certain responsibilities without being told that. Because again, that comes from upbringing. Although dad wasn't present, I was raised by women. So certain things I just knew how to do. But I prayed over my son, my first son, when he was born. I told him that he would never go through anything that dad ever went through in his life. And I stood on it. And the same applied for my second son when he was born. So I understand the the importance of being present. Because that's what kids remember When you consistent and you present They remember yes. that They remember that more than yes. anything else
0: so. yes. I, I literally just Had that conversation with somebody The other day and I was telling them Like listen I know that when me and Brandon have children One of the biggest things For us is that We just want people to be present in their life And show them love It's not about the gifts It's not about you know, oh, I dropped this off. Or, oh, I can donate this. All of that is well and good because I do believe it does take a village. However, mm-hmm. what kids really walk away with and what they remember is what you taught them, the love you showed them and how you treated them and that you were there for them. And I feel like that's the biggest thing.
2: Absolutely. So
0: even with that being said, I think that a lot of times, you know, as you said, you had, you grew up with a lot of females around you. So a lot of times, you know, I always hear uh, women saying like I can raise him and I can teach him the best I can but I can't teach him how to be a man you get what I'm saying right so that goes back to what you said as far as you know they taught you a lot you know they as far as love and different things like that but when it came time to I guess now that your boys are getting older definitely you know do you find that you have a struggle possibly? Not even, I don't even know if I want to say struggle, but do you find that you kind of question certain things that you do because you were never, I guess, particularly taught by your father, even though you were shown by other people when it comes to teaching or doing things with your boys? You know what I mean? Like, do you find that there's certain things, I'm trying to make sure I word this right, so bear with me. Um, Do you find that you basically find yourself trying to show them something that was never taught to you?
1: I mean, yeah, all the time. Or sometimes they might show me that they already know something that I didn't taught them, that I haven't taught them. You know, so mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, as, as parents, you know, you still students as well. You know, it's, it, there's always things that you can learn as a parent, too. And sometimes that can come in the form of your kids showing you something or telling you. You know, so it's not always about what you give to them. Like, yeah, of course, you live longer than them. You know a little more than them. So you can show them certain things that they don't know. But kids have a way of stopping all of that. They have a way of showing you, like, look, dad, I need you to pay attention to me. I need you to listen to me. And that's what my sons do. So, you know, I'm always open. You know, I laugh because they they their own, you know, person. You know, they have their own minds. And, you know, and I teach my sons to, you know, never allow anybody to stifle your voice. Mm, You know, so, you know, so even with my oldest being 11 now and with my youngest being seven, they are very sure of themselves and they are very confident in what they believe. And I love that about them because, again, you know, yeah, they still have a lot to learn, but the things that they confident that they know, they stand on it. And that's what you're supposed to do. So, so in pursuit of me showing them things, I can show them a lot of things as I have shown them and as I will continue to show them, but they have a way of showing me a lot of things too. Like daddy, look, I know you telling me to do this, but this is how I understand something. This is how it makes sense to me. So I think that's the beauty of fatherhood as well. Like, yes, you can show your children if you have children or you can show your child many things, but. Your child or your children have ways of letting you know, like, hey, your way don't make sense to me, but this is how it makes sense to me.
0: Mm.
1: So that's what you're
0: teaching each other.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's no man there's no manual on parenthood or or fatherhood. There's no manual for that.
0: Yeah. That's deep. That's deep. I I just, you know, it, it amazes me that. You know, as this, as we're in the world of trying to reclaim the narrative of Black fatherhood, um, you know, because the last, uh, let me, I I wanna say back in either 2000 or 2021, there was actually something stating uh, that the percentage, the statistics show that the percentage of Black fathers within a home or not excuse me with that are not within a home or even married or in relationship with the child's mother was close to 70%. But I think a lot of times that people focus on the number and that yeah. it outshadows the men such as yourself who are there every chance they get. I mean yeah. literally every chance they get. And so when it comes to changing the narrative it's almost like we have to publicize it in order to say like hey This is not all black men. And I mean, the reality also is that it's not just black men. You know, you can go in a Caucasian home, uh, you know, Hispanic home, Asian home, whichever, and they may be in the same situation, but it's not talked about. It's not shown or presented that way. You know what I mean? It's like something that while you're doing the work now and showcasing that and then setting it up for your sons, that's feeding closer to our future because it's allowing them to see more Black men present in their children's life. It's allowing that number of children saying, like, I don't know who my dad is or, you know, whatever, to go down as well. So how do you see yourself adding to changing that narrative in the midst of what you're doing with your boys? Like, do you feel like maybe we need to do a little bit more extra, maybe programs, you know, for those who maybe God forbid their father passed away and that's why they fall in that statistic. You know what I mean? Um, Like what different things do you think can be done in our community in order for that to be done? And again, for any listeners listening to this, I do want to make sure I say, this is honestly just a conversation where we're just sharing opinionated opinions. You know what I mean? Um, So this is not factual information, but this is our thoughts.
1: Okay. Uh I think when it comes to like, you know, community, right? Mm-hmm. I think it would take the I think it would first take the people that, that you know, have the highest seats, you know, that have mm-hmm. the that have the platform, that have the voice to be able to make things like this, you know, grounds for a conversation. And Mm -hmm. not just stopping at a conversation, because that's how a lot of things are. Like, you know, we have these conversations, but then it's like, who's actually an advocate, you know, when it comes to executing these things? So, you know, you don't often see it because it's just a conversation, you know, and and there's nobody acting upon these things that they know is necessary. The things that they know can be implemented. Nobody acts on that. So when things are not happening, you know community wise it's because the people that actually have the authority that might actually have the resources and power to be able to make things like this more globally you know recognize it don't happen right mm. so then so then you have that percentage of of guys you know when the cameras ain't on them you got us guys going through these things and it's not often talked about it's not often seen but you have guys such as myself you know outside of me being a father to my children, I'm a father to many, you know, or, mm. I'm, a, or I'm a mentor to many. Exactly. I'm, a, I'm a friend to many. I'm a teacher to many. Whatever hat you want to, whatever hat you want to say, I done wore it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I think, you know, it is, it, it gives me such gratitude to know that even through the lines of work that I've actually been able to, you know, do over the years, You know, and just working in different capacities where I'm dealing with high-risk youth or I'm dealing with people that's battling substance abuse or I'm dealing with, you know, kids in lockdown facilities, residential, alternative schools, you name it. All of these young kids say the same thing. I just wish I had somebody that would listen to me. I Mm. just wish I had somebody to love me. I just wish I had somebody that cared about what I was doing, et cetera, et cetera, right? So you couldn't have asked me, you know, years ago when I was still trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, would I be such a change agent that I am now? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had my own thoughts about where I was going to be in my life, even down to what I would be doing. I didn't never think that I would be a teacher. You know, I didn't never think that I would be a mentor, a big brother, whatever. I never thought I would be that. But it's so fulfilling because when somebody come back to you after you done poured into them for however long you was able to you know be involved in their life or their development as an individual for somebody to come back to you and tell you no matter if it was right after you made a change in their life or years later for somebody to say Mr. Tony I remember what you told me years ago and it saved my life that is bigger than any means of recognition that somebody could give you Mm -hmm. somebody telling you that You was the reason that they changed their life or you was the reason that they didn't get killed. And here it is. I'm just a person just like them. And I'm subject to the same things that they concerned about every day that they leave their door. The same way I pray when I walk out that door is the same way I pray that I hope I walk back in the house at night. So for somebody else to tell me, Mr. Tony, you was the reason that I stayed in school or you was the reason that I wanted to go to college to to be a part of a fraternity, whatever the case may be, I was a stake in that person's development as a human being. And now to see them go from nothing to something, that means a lot for me. So that also lets me know that I'm in the right profession. So,
2: yeah.
0: You know, it's, it's funny that you say that because I was sitting here thinking while you were talking. I'm like, you know what? Now that I think about it, when we was in school, this is not what you went to school for at nope, all.
1: <laughs> not at all.
0: At all. So nope. but it, it just goes to show that, like you just said, even in the midst of you being in the same scenarios as them, you're, you had to go through what you went through in order to help somebody else. Because think about it. If you didn't have the trials and tribulations that you experienced, do you feel that you would still be equipped in order to help others? Because a lot of times people are saying like, you don't understand. You, you haven't been in my shoes. You know what I mean?
2: Right.
1: I mean, and I mean, rightfully so. That's true. Because, you know, um, uh, a, a, a person is only of their experience. Right. So, you know, you might believe that you a certain type of person, but you not, you don't really know who you are until you go through something. You mm-hmm. don't know, you don't know, how you really think about something or how you really feel about something until you're actually in it and you got to go through that entire process on your own until you come out of it. And, yeah. when you, and when you come out of it, depending on whether or not that situation was negative or positive, would determine who you are as an individual. Yeah.
0: As someone, and, and this just came to me um, that I'm really curious about, as someone, you know, you grew up in Baltimore City, um, like you said, you've been up against the odds of many different things in your community that many others have faced and, you know, went a different direction in. Um, for someone who has fought hard to, you know, beat the odds and, you know, all that you have accomplished and achieved. Um, what does it feel like for you, and this is something I will never as a female be able to understand or you know experience i guess more so um as a black man when you go out into the world knowing all that you achieve, but feeling as though when you go to the corner store or when you do something that you're being looked at as the total opposite like what is that like for you? Ah uh, man uh
1: i mean it's it's not it's not the most comfortable thing, but you know I think. You know, people that come from the conditions that, that I come from and, and many of us that, that shared the same, you know, upbringing, you know, that I have. I think we we normalize certain things like that. You know, we, we begin mm. to normalize, you know, things that's not, you know, things that's not good for us. We, we look at it as, uh, you know, I see this every day or, you know, you know, I seen this store get robbed many times. So we begin to normalize, you know, violent behavior. Because of what we exposed to, right mm. so yeah. then we so then we think we bulletproof from these type of things, you know, not knowing whether or not I could walk up to that store and that might be my last time walking to any store we right. we, we normalize you know violent behavior or or any behavior that you know that we see every day that we know don't you know reflect positivity. it's just like we it's it's normal like you know. You could see, you could walk up the street and see somebody abusing their girlfriend. You know, you see that every day, and you might look at it as, "Oh man, they always fussing, they always fighting." You know what I mean? So it's just, just the state of mind, you know, that you adopt when you raised in these environments and under those conditions, you think that it's okay, and it's not. You know, so sometimes your your environment and, and the traditions and the cultures that you raised upon it's either it could you know you could either foster that 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 mentality like man this ain't good i'm never going to be comfortable with it or you going to normalize it and say like eh, i see this every day it ain't nothing ain't nothing new what? so you know mm-hmm. so go ahead it I'm sorry. Just, so it just it just depends on you know who you are man and and what those type of situations do to you and 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 how you might want to respond to it.
0: That was actually going to be the very next question based off what you just said. What for you, as far as, you know, experiencing all of that, do you think caused you to be like, nah, this ain't right. I want to change this.
1: Uh, Again, upbringing, you know, just being raised, just being raised by, you know, predominantly all women. You know, I'm a grandma's boy. I mean, you know that, you know. Yes, sir. My my you know my grandmother, you know, taught me everything I know, you know, that even down
0: herself.
1: even down to, you know, how I see the world, you know, even down to how I deal with people, you know, my grandmother always taught me that, you know. Things things like abuse, uh, you know, anything that could harm yourself or harm another person, whether if it's drug related or not, none of those things are okay. <laughs> So, you know, I grew up knowing that mistreating a woman is not okay. You know, abusing your children is not okay. Killing somebody is not okay.
2: Right, right. right.
1: So I grew up knowing these things. So with, with knowing that and with having that stuff instilled in me, that's how I went out into the world and was able to navigate myself, you know, and maneuver around these dysfunctional events that most people succumb to.
2: Mhm. So.
0: You know, I definitely think that you can see a difference in those um I guess we could say our generation who had their grandparents very heavily in their life. You know, like sometimes when I sit back it's like you can just kind of see like we move a little different. And yeah. that could just be my own, you know, perception, but I just feel like anytime I talk to somebody I can tell when they had a heavy influence of like an elderly person in their life. You know what I mean? They Absolutely. saw how they were raised and how they handled themselves and so forth. Cause I think that was also one of the things that me connected on was the fact of having our grandmothers. And for me, my great grandmother, who was very young, um, heavily in our life as well. Um, so even with all of that, um, cause I definitely don't want to hold you. Like I said, I know that you're always busy. All um, good. And- all good. <laughs> It was important to me to have this conversation. One, because I I have three brothers, really. I say four. um, But I feel like I will never, no matter how close I am to them, no matter how many times I talk to them. You know, I, I will never fully be able to be in their shoes. But the difference is, like, one of my brothers recently became a father, you know. But I wanted to talk to somebody who's been doing this, who, in my opinion, you're a vet at this point. You know I mean? Once you, <laughs> once your son hits double digits, sir, okay? <laughs> 18,
1: 18 years in.
0: <laughs> you, you know, you, you already go in with this. And just, I've, I've truly, truly, truly have seen how you have grown in the time that I've known you. Yeah. You know, I've seen the environment that you're around and as far as growing up and, you know, when we were in college and different things. And, you know, it just really amazed me the type of person that you were and are and continue to grow and become, you know, when you look at that, because a lot of times so many people fall right into it. Like you said, they become a they adapt to it. Absolutely. And they're like you said, they're just like, this is what it is. I and mean, that's it. And then, you know, you end up seeing these young guys out here who have sons, but they're raising them up to be just like them. Like, you know how you see them pictures of the little boys they already got their pants sagging, they teaching them little bad things, whatever. And right. I'm like, you don't even realize that you have in front of you our future, that like you can take him and change the perception of what will be, you know, 10, 20 years from now, whatever, um, and I don't think that some people see that. So when you see a man who does understand that and he's taking the time to not just hang with the kids, like I thoroughly have seen you have conversations of understanding and dialogue with your kids at yeah. young ages, making sure that they understand and that they don't breaking it down to them where they do, allowing them to ask questions and see it from different perspectives. And I always mm-hmm. had so much respect for that. Because you're allowing them, one, to understand that men do have feelings. And that's what I'm leading to. Absolutely. Um, You know, we live in a world also where, especially in the black culture, like, you you know, you hear young boys being told, don't cry. Boys don't cry. You know, Mm -hmm. wipe your tears. Get up. Don't show emotion. That's weak, etc. And the fact, you know, I've, I've never really seen you do that with your boys. Like, I've seen you tell them, like, yo, get up. Stop crying, whatever. But at the same time you allow them to express why they're crying. You meet them where they are. You know, so let's talk about that a little bit. How do you feel about the fact of, you know, boys being told that they can't have that emotion? Because you see later on in life, a lot of those boys who are now men don't know how to handle whether it's conversation, how to, you know, interpret their emotions, etc. because of this.
1: Yeah, you know, and, and I'm glad you asked that question because, again, that stems, that stems far back, you know, you know, to like my dad, like I remember growing up uh, being told that my grandfather, who, who is my uncle's, who is my uncle's father was my dad's father. Right. Mm -hmm. I found out when I was a grown man that my uncle's father was not my dad's biological father, but my uncle's father raised my dad because my dad's father you know used to be on drugs as well so my dad used to get high with his dad i never even i never even met my biological grandfather wow of of you know my dad's father right and my dad and my dad never even spoke of his father to me i don't even know my grandfather's name i always grew up knowing that my uncle's father was my dad's father but my my uncle's father adopted my dad gave my dad his last name and everything so what i know my uncle's father is my dad's dad, right? So I say all of that to say, right? Mm -hmm. My dad only knew what his dad was able to give to him, which wasn't much, which is Mm -hmm. why my dad wasn't able to give much to me and my brother. Right. Right. But, but in seeing that and with me, you know, being raised the way I was raised, you know, I adopted a different set of morals and principles because I knew what it felt like to not have my dad present, you know, where my dad missed out a lot on a lot of important moments in my life. I vowed to myself and even my children the day that they was born that they would never experience that Mm -hmm. because I knew how important it was for them to have a father that was present and to not teach them the way that I was taught because maybe what my dad gave me was all he was able to give to me. Right. Right. But because, you know, I'm living in a, in a world now where technology is more advanced, mm-hmm. where information is a little bit more accessible, where now I'm able to learn a lot more things when it comes to self information and all other aspects of life where I'm able to do different things, even down to implement in different ways of how I deal with my own children. Mm-hmm. right so I was raised yeah you fall on the ground son get up don't cry about it wipe it off you're gonna fall a thousand times but guess what my sons might not be like me mm. that that would just be able to fall scrape your knees go in the house bloody you know not crying because daddy told me if I cry I'm gonna get a beating
0: right I yeah. allow
1: my sons to feel because I know when you fall down and you hurt a certain part of you it's gonna hurt and if you can't deal with the pain that comes with you doing whatever it was that you was doing to be hurt, you're going to express yourself a certain type of way. Right. So I allow my sons to cry, right? I allow them to be human because they're human, right? But at the same time, when they done crying, and I will sit and watch them cry. And then when they done, because sometimes when my sons cry, they cry just to say, Daddy, are you going to say something? Are you going to do something? Mm. No, I'm going to let you get it all out, right? Right. Okay, And then when you get yourself together, we gonna have a conversation. Now I'm going to say, son, so what did you do to fall and get that scratch on your knee? Or what did you do? Or what was you not paying attention to that you bumped your head or whatever the case may be up against right. anything? I'm going to have that conversation with them, right? Because I'm going to let them know that it's okay, right? You human, You hurt yourself? Okay. We're going to wipe it off. We're going to talk about it. We're going to make sure you do something different so that you don't repeat the same thing. Right? Right. I have those healthy conversations with my sons just to let them know not only do I care, but it's okay, son. You're going to scuff that knee up again.
2: Mm.
1: Right? I love so that. I, so I allow them to feel because they're human, but I don't try to make them think that they're invincible to things that they can't be hurt, that they're not going to you know, experience certain things because that's unhuman-like, right? And that's not even realistic. So the idea is, even though you may not have been given something during your time, it's your job and responsibility to be able to give to another generation that wasn't given to you. So that's why, you know, I focus on being better than how my parents were to me. Yeah. That's deep. That's
0: deep. Because I feel like definitely, like, as they get older, they're going to be so much more able to express themselves because they've been doing that. They were taught it's okay. A lot of times I've learned men nowadays don't know how to do that or they have trouble expressing, you know, that they're upset or that they're sad or even crying Mm -hmm. because they feel so weak in doing it or, like, as though something's wrong when it's not. Mm -hmm. It's not at all. Like... Yo, we all have emotions. We all feel. We all hurt. And it's so it's like, it's like where it's hot for a female. Oh, she cried. It's okay. You know, but then when it's a boy, nah a man, uh, you know man, what I mean? and, man,
1: Let me tell you something, man. I'm as tough as nails, man. But when it comes to my children, man, I cry about everything. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. When they when they was born, it's it's just certain moments you know, in my children's lives that I was able to experience. And I just was so adamant about being present, about everything. I never missed a doctor's appointment. I never missed a dental appointment. I never missed any moment in their life that I felt was important to them, right? Yeah. Because us as adults, we're so used to the adult lifestyle. We're so used to the adult-like responsibilities that when it comes to a child and they start taking their journey on experiencing things and figuring out what it is that they like and figuring out their place in the world, we tend to tell them when we miss out on something, oh, don't worry about it. Mommy or daddy, we're going to make it to the next thing. But it's like, how do you know if they're going to want you at the next thing? How do you know if the one moment that you miss was the one that they actually wanted you present at. Right? That's how I That's how I think. So I don't look at it as, okay, my son playing basketball, daddy missed the first two games, but daddy will be there the rest of the season. What if he didn't care for me to be there the rest of the season? What if those two games where he might have scored 10 points or better was where he wanted me at? That's how I think, right? And sometimes as adults or as parents, we get caught up in our own world, that we miss out on the little things that's important to our children because we we believe that we got time or we believe that we can make up everything and it's not always the case.
0: Mm-hmm. That's, that's it right there. That's it. I'm going to ask you one last thing before I let you go. Normally I ask if you could leave the listeners with anything one time as far as in life for them to remember what would it be. But in this particular case, if you could reach out to any other black male who's a father or, you know, getting ready to become a father, you know, and you could give them one piece of advice or just something to remember in their journey as they become a father or go along in this father journey, what would you share?
1: I give you 10 things. Okay. I give you 10 things as, as being a father, right? Okay. Being a, being a father is a privilege. Mm. It's a privilege. It's not something to do. It's a privilege. Right? You know, they always say, you know, anybody can be a daddy, you know, but everybody can't be a father, you know, Mm -hmm. right? You know, to whom is given as much as required, right? Right. So when you, when you a father, it's a privilege. That means you made a conscious decision to insert yourself, you know, in a situation where now a child comes from that. Right? Mm -hmm. So. Whatever you thought about before, it don't even matter now because now you got to deal with something bigger than yourself, right? And not just for the child, you got to be able to honor and appreciate the woman that you're trying to create that life with,
2: Same. right? <laughs> so so right. at
1: the end of the day, granted, you know, things may not always turn out the way you want it to be, but if you can make it work, make it work, you know, by all means, God bless you, right? But to be a father, man, you have to be dependable. mm right? To be a father, you got to be involved. You got to show compassion. You got to value the mother, value the mother. And this is through through everything because you're going to go through trials, right? Y'all mm-hmm. not going to see eye to eye all the time because she may have ways that she do things. You may have ways that you do yours, right? If y'all can't come to some... Un- some type of understanding. That's just how it's going to be. You're going to have your way of doing things. She's going to have her way of doing things, but ultimately it's about the child, right? Right. You got to have empathy. Being verbally expressive, meaning you can be firm, but fair, but do it without belittling the child or making the child feel like, you know, they can't approach their dad or their mom. Because Mm -hmm. they worry about you being too verbally expressive. They don't want to come to you and let you know how they feel because they're scared of what you might say. Mm. Be human. Which means own your mistakes. Be open to feedback. And teach that growth is a lifelong process. Yes. Right? It's not something that you're just going to get overnight. You're going to repeat yourself a million times to a child because behavior don't just change when you say it need to change kids don't understand what we understand right right honesty right and playfulness be playful because a lot of the times kids like to play Mm -hmm. right that's that's how they bond with you that's how they open up with you that's how you learn what they interested in right so again those Fatherhood, those are the components of fatherhood that I take extremely serious. And, you know, again, remember, being a father is a privilege. And even if you don't get along with the mother, even if y'all decide that it's not it, you still a father. And don't allow what you do or the role you play in your child's life to be measured by what the mother thinks. Mm. You're still a father at the end of the day. Your obligation and responsibility is to your child. So if your child know that you love them, and you instilling that in your child every chance you get, whether you see your child every day or whether you see your child sometimes, if your child know how you feel, then you have done what you're supposed to do. Children don't stay children forever. Yeah. You know, they get older and they start to see things that maybe they didn't pay attention to before. But be proactive, be present, be consistent because that's what kids remember. Tangible assets means absolutely nothing to children because you find that you're going to be spending money on a child for the rest of his or her life. Yeah. For as long as you're taking care of them, they don't care about that. But when a child knows that you've been there from the beginning up until they're able to take care of themselves, that's more of an asset than anything.
0: Absolutely.
1: So, yeah, that's mm. my take.
0: This this is why I wanted to bring you on with this because this 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 is literally how we have our conversations plus more.
1: <laughs> but, um, Real tough.
0: You know, my the, the whole point of this show looking in the mirror is because I realized that not only for myself but many others as I have conversations, we had to stop look ourselves in the mirror peel ourselves apart and put it back together in order to be better for ourselves or for others, you know, going forward. And I just feel like if we had these type of conversations um, or heard these type of conversations, you know, before a lot of us would be saved in the situations that we either put ourselves in or ended up in some type of way, you know what I mean? So I right. really genuinely from my heart appreciate you coming on here to, one, be vulnerable, share your stories, what you've been through. um, And, you know, just enlightening also, um, this community of listeners that I have, as to a different perspective, because unfortunately, like I said earlier, the main perspective of a black man as a father, is that they don't exist, or that they're sometimes the or they're barely there, or, you know what I mean, you hear a lot more about the struggling mother or, you know, the mothers who, on Father's Day, they saying Happy Father's Day to the women. You know what I mean? That right. itself has been so controversial, you know, where you see people saying, like, you can't say that. And then you see others saying, why not? They play both roles, you know? But I just right. feel like it's, you're starting to see such a difference where, you know, Black men are trying to show, like, no, we're here. You know what I mean? We're, we're genuinely trying to be present and so forth. And like I said, I've seen your journey. So I really appreciate you taking the time out to join me today, to share shed some light on that, and to share your experience and some, you know, information that may help somebody else that listens to this. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much.
1: Uh, no problem, no problem, man. I appreciate I, I appreciate you for having me. You know, I definitely appreciate the platform that you allow me to speak on and. You know, I just wish you nothing but the best with your future endeavors. And, hey, man, invite me back for another session. You know, I stay ready, so I ain't got to get ready.
0: Almost oh, definitely. You already know Tom. I will definitely also, <laughs> at some point, I'm going to go ahead and release this real quick while I have you on here. Um, For those of you who have been uh, following along each week with this podcast, please know that we are definitely working on the visuals where soon, 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 I can't say when, but soon, You will be able not only to listen to these, but also see us together physically, um, just giving the real feeling of visual um, behind each of these stories and uh, interviews and dialogues that you are hearing. So we will definitely be bringing you back, Mr. Tony, so that way everyone (laughs) should see you. Y'all, let me just put this out here real quick. As you see, this is a very sophisticated African-American young man. But at the same time, this man is super silly. Okay,
2: yeah, he yeah, is super
0: I, silly. I,
1: I be I be chills though, man. Mira just be trying to, you know, give me this reputation and what everything. Ever. You know, <laughs> I, 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 I I be chilling. Everybody, don't 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 listen to the hype, man. I'm a, I'm a okay. regular. I'm a regular brother.
0: Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> No, he's he's definitely doing his thing, but everybody got to have a sense of humor. I'm really big on that. Most people that I will bring on here, you'll learn real quickly. Like, I'm a big person of laughter because I feel like that's so important in life. You know what I mean? Like, laughter really eases the soul. Like, that's just my personal. But, again, I appreciate you. I'm not going to hold you up. Um, I always like to end every segment this way by asking our audience a question. And the question for this episode is... What are you doing to make a difference in the children going forward within your community, your home, or just in general that you know?
2: Oh, this is for
1: for me?
0: No, no, no. I mean, you can answer, but I always, in every episode, would ask the listeners a question for them to think about, you know, for the week. Um, But if you want to answer, definitely. If you you already know the answer.
1: I'm going to just say, you know, for me, just be the change that you would like to see. You know, and, and to not and to not expect something in others that you yourself wouldn't be willing to give.
0: Absolutely. There you go. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is Mayor Mayor, and we are signing out here until next week. Thank you, Tom. Booyah. Looking in the Mirror is a weekly podcast that provides its listeners with a community space to expand their spirit, mind, and soul. Through the self-transparency of myself and others via open dialogue, it hits all aspects of life. You can expect candid discussions, stories, and interviews. My hope is by sharing my truth, it helps someone learn to love and live in theirs while building a community of positivity, inspiration, and support filled with love for all. Find me on all social media platforms at Looking in the Mirror. Also, make sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on any podcast app.